God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> Woo, that was good. <laughs> happy Father's Day, first of all. A very happy Father's Day. Now, I said on Mother's Day, do not make the mothers cook. Take them out. Now, I'm going to say today, y'all don't make those men grill <laughs> unless they want to. Take them out. Or you cook or whatever. But I had to make that fair because I said that for Mother's Day. Welcome to any and all visitors we have this morning. We're very, very glad to have you. Uh, if you would, if you're a visitor, would you please fill out a connect card right there in front of you and just hand it to an usher, if you would, and that way we can connect with you. Uh, in honor of Father's Day, we would like for all men on your way out in the lobby, there's a little table there, and with a, a small token of our appreciation for you for uh, all the things you do, whether it be in your family, whether you be it in the church family, um, out in the community, whatever it is, we thank you and we honor you. So be sure to stop in there and get you a little something. Giving as usual for the people that attend here regularly. We have a box back there on the back um, that you can drop anything in this morning. You can do mail or you can go online. We're not going to have circles today because we're getting out early so that you ladies can take the men out to eat. I already covered that. All right, Wednesday, this Wednesday, we're going to have Bible study with Brother Carvin Adams. And then next Sunday, we'll have worship service with Brother Carvin Adams. And in your bulletin, you have a blue sheet of paper. This is called an affirmation. I'm going to lead you in it. I'm going to say it, and then you repeat after me if you would. Now, now, I'm expecting you to say this loud. I don't want any wimpy repeating. I want loud like y'all just sang. We know you can, so let's do it. I am courageous. I am courageous. I am whole. I am whole. I am unstoppable. I am unstoppable. I am confident. I am confident. I am victorious. I am victorious. I'm forgiving. I am forgiving. I am love. I am love. I am grateful. I am blessed. I am generous. I'm gifted. I'm strong. I am anointed. I am favored. I am successful. I am, able. I am able. I am healed. I am powerful. I am healthy. I am fruitful. I am beautiful. And on this one, you fill in what you are. I am. <laughs> I like that one, highly favored. It had to be positive. I hope you were positive. Now, now all together, let's say the last. I am God's masterpiece. Thank you. Y'all did a great job. Won't you stand with us as we sing this beautiful old song, This Is My Father's World.
you may be seated, and children, you may go to your classes. Next, we have our prayer requests, and as you know, we have some here in our bulletin. You have some on your heart, and we know there are many, but we know that God knows each and every one of them. He knows all the details, but if you'll um, take this home and pray during the week for these people also and the ones on your heart. Uh, Pastor Dan, who has traveled to Illinois, um, he had to go perform a funeral there for someone, and we pray for uh, safe travels back home. Uh, still praying for Sandy Adams, Mary Crane, Nancy Boozer, Marie and L.B. Honeycutt, the Church of God Convention and the General Assembly, which is in Tampa, Florida, and uh, Pastor Dan and Lynn and Pastor Ray and Dana will be traveling there for that. We have Dennis and Renee Moore, uh, prayer for Dennis. We'll pray for both of them. But DeWanda Davis, and then like I said, anyone else that's on your heart, God knows it. He knows everything about it. We have a video to go along with his song, He Knows My Name. Yeah. 
thankful for those beautiful words and the message in that song. Would you stand with us as we sing in his time? Please bow your heads. Father God, we come to you this morning with a little bit of questionable weather, but we know that we're in the best place that we can be and in the safest hands that we can be in. Lord, we ask that you be with each and every one of these prayer requests and each and every one on our heart. We know you know. We know that your time is the best time. We thank you that we can all be together. We ask that you be with the ones who couldn't be here today for whatever reason. I ask that you please be with Reverend Lynn as she comes to give us the message this morning and that our hearts, our ears, our minds, our soul is open to what you have to say. We ask all of these things and we thank you so much in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Good morning. I tell you, these steps on this carpet are a little tricky for me, but we made it very carefully. Um, I did check in with Dan. He was boarding the plane as we got ready to come into church, so he's flying back. And um, it's really an honor and a pleasure to be able to share here on Father's Day. You know, this may not be a traditional Father's Day message, but when this all came up so suddenly, it came to mind this particular message that I've shared in the past with other groups. And it's a little bit of my story, but it's a mostly God's story. Um, so um, I, as I, I share, I hope that it, it speaks to you. Um, the, the good thing about when you get to share with God's people, it gives God a chance to, to speak into your life. And so today I hope that... Um, what I share is special to you, and God will speak to you as he spoke to me. Um, I, will I will be talking about my fathers just a little bit, and our song, thank you so much, worship team. Y'all did a wonderful job. Uh, it was, <laughs> Barb and I were going over the order of worship, and I was, we were laughing, I was laughing a little bit, because uh, I told Dan the songs I wanted, but he wanted his songs too, so we kind of did a con combination, but he knows me well, and he did a great job picking out some of my favorite songs, and so that was, I appreciate the worship, it was beautiful. Um, but I think today what I want us to understand is who we are in God's sight. 
understand that. So a lot of what I've made reference to in, earlier in the service with the Psalmsner thing is who God sees us as. Because sometimes we don't see us the way God sees us. In fact, most of the time we don't see us the way God sees us. Uh, so this sermon today is to help us see how uh, God sees us and how he wants to be with us. Um, you know, when God wants to move us into a new path, he often has to bring healing to our hearts and our souls. And uh, not many years ago, I can't remember exactly how many, but it's getting to be more and more years as they roll on. I had, uh, I had been to a CWC convention, that's Christian Women's Connection um, convention. And, and the, during the service, God began to speak to me about um, the uh, spirit of rejection. And that was something I wasn't, never had identified as being part of my DNA. Um, but, you know, when God begins to speak to you, he has a plan. He has a reason why he brings these things to your, to your conscious mind that you can identify. And so um, I knew that I needed God's help. This was something that I couldn't do on my own. And, uh, but you know, the journey to healing for me uh, was quite surprising. It didn't take me quite in the direction I thought it was going to, but it was going to take me back to the root of this rejection. And uh, oftentimes things in our life, they, they come from something that happened many years ago. Um, but at the time that I was having this prayer, I wasn't really aware, aware of how he was going to reveal this to me. So I'm going to begin this story, my story. Not necessarily at the beginning, but somewhere in the middle. So, you know, you come home from a, a convention like that, and you get busy with your life things, and um, I kind of forgot about that prayer. Um, and as I returned home, Dan was going through a series of sermons uh, on the purpose-driven church. And as some of you may recall, Rick Warren had written a book called um, Purpose Driven Life, and these two were kind of partner books, and the things that Rick Warren uh, talked about was worship, ministry, evangelism, fellowship, and discipleship. Um, not only in the believer's life, but also in the church. So Dan was preaching through this, and that particular Sunday, uh, he was preaching on evangelism. Well, to be perfectly honest, I kind of allowed my mind to wander just a little bit. Uh, we do that sometimes, don't we? He, and a lot of times it's because God brings something to mind. And I was sitting there and he had mentioned, uh, he was reviewing all the different uh, things that he'd already preached on and one of them, and talking about a little bit about discipleship. And as he was there mentioning that, my mind wandered off uh, to think about some youth that we had actually discipled and that were doing really well and their um, congregation and serving the Lord. And, you know, I was feeling kind of proud about that. You know, that always makes a pastor and pastor's wife feel proud when the children and youth that you've worked with, they go on to serve the Lord. So, um, however, you know, God does have a way. All of a sudden, he shifted his my attention back to him. That's where it should have been all along, not on being prideful. Um, and it was one of the few times in my life that I felt that God was speaking directly to me. It was like there was no one else in that sanctuary. It was just me and God. So as I sat in that pew that Sunday morning listening to what God was saying in my heart and through the words of uh, Dan, I began to weep. Now, I'm not really a weeper by nature. I'm, I'll get ch choked up a little bit. I might have just a tear or two, but I'm not one of these that just really weeps a lot. And so this was really unusual. And I was thinking, oh, my word, what are people going to think? I'm up here just boo-hooing. Uh -huh. But I also knew that God was breaking my heart in a way that only God can do. I went on to call this my burning bush experience. You know, I think we all have moments when we know God is asking us to step up and to do something for him that is out of our comfort zone. So today is part of my Father's Day. I'm going to go back to one of our, uh, what we would call important people in the Bible, and that is the original burning bush person, and that's Moses. Um, but first I want to tell you a story. I'm kind of a storyteller, and I, I, I'm going to try not to chase rabbits, but this story, it spans about three generations, uh, and it took place in, uh, uh, in the South, in Tennessee. Uh, there was uh, a little boy that was born, and when he was eight years old, his uh, father was killed in a uh, milling accident. And at that time, the pet, there were several children, and the mother didn't know what to do, and with these children because she didn't have a way to support them in, in that particular time period. 
And so she sent this little boy to live with some family members, thinking that that would be a good fit. However, it wasn't really such a good fit because they really treated him like an unpaid servant and uh, wasn't kind to him. But, you know, he, and he never really finished school, never had a, a you know, like a college degree, or I don't even know if he had a, a, a high school degree, but he did go to some school. So he went on and married and raised a family. And in that family, he had, they had five children. And one of the uh, children uh, was, you know, he worked hard to provide for this family of five, but this, it was in depression days. And so this little boy was the middle of the five children, and there were some people that just thought he was cute as a button, and they'd let him come and stay with them, you know, and, and they just treated him like family, and they were kind to him, but still, it was not his own home, and he felt like he had been exiled to this family. And as he grew older, he did not, um, you know, it, he began to be more at home, but just as a little boy, that happened to him. Well, later on, he got married, joined the Navy, went off to do his uh, duty for his country and everything. And then when he came home, he got married and he started his own family. And on rare occasions, he mentions the, this time that he had lived you know, with other people. Um, but he really didn't have much to say about that part of his life. He continued to work hard to provide for his growing family. And later as the children came, he, he sometimes struggled to know how to show his love and support for his children. On one occasion, he, without thought, forbid his daughter to sit on his lap, but then allowed another little cousin to sit on the lap. Well, that was uh, really difficult for that little girl because all little girls like to sit on their daddy's lap at some time or another. So once again, the seeds of rejection were being planted. Each one of these people had had an opportunity for the devil to plant those seeds of rejection. So, <clears throat> so what looked like a... Um, wonderful experience this um, father wasn't aware he thought he was just being kind to the little cousin so the spirit of rejection again goes to another generation and the bible talks about how the sins of the fathers are passed from one generation to the next um, so uh, even in adulthood this person felt rejection they you know it was part of their dna you know and when that happens only god can bring a healing all right so We'll get back to the rest of that story here in a little bit. So let's take a look at the life of Moses where he will, you know, we're going to see a pattern of rejection in his life also, and it, which led him to the responses he gave in his encounter with God at the burning bush. Now we recall the story of Moses being saved by his resourceful mother. You know, they, at that time in the history of Egypt, they were killing all the babies, especially the baby boys. And so his mother made a little reed basket and put him in this basket and put him in the Nile River. And that's where Pharaoh's daughter found him and took him into the royal palace and raised him as her child. Uh, now, we all realize this was a drastic measure. And I know that was hard for that mother to make that decision, but she wanted to protect her son. And so, um, and she did what she had to. And the Pharaoh's daughter was gracious and allowed the mother to keep the baby with her in, until he was weaned. Um, so it's probable that Moses wondered why he was sent back to the palace and raised with the Pharaoh's other children. And do you think it's possible that Moses felt rejection in his role as the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter? I mean, look, he really had a, you know, a good thing going there, you know, but still, it wasn't his family. But later in life, he lashed out at the cruel way the Israelites were uh, being treated because he knew those were his people. And he understood these slaves were his people and he grew angry at this treatment and he killed an Egyptian taskmaster. Master. Then he had to flee from Egypt into the desert because his Egyptian grandfather wanted to kill him. I think he probably felt very rejected, rejected by his biological family and now his adopted family. Well, let's look at uh, Exodus 3, where today our narrative is going to begin. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Now, Moses saw, through the bush, saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. 
Why the bush does not burn up? So when the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for this is the place where you're standing as holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. <clears throat> so God goes on to explain to Moses from this burning bush how his people in Egypt are in bondage and he ne they need to be set free from the oppressive Egyptian rule. So now, this is God speaking, now I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So once Moses got past this fear of God, Moses began to talk to God. Thought that was kind of unusual. First, he was really afraid and hit his face. And next thing you know, he's having this really lengthy conversation with God. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Well, God replied to Moses' question. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who sent you. And when you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Well, what God is saying is that Moses will be, uh, what God has asked Moses to do will be accomplished because God is going to be there. God is also reassuring Moses that he can do it and to give God the glory for what has been done in setting the Israelites free. So that brings us to a very important principle in the scripture. If God asks a person to do something, it can be accomplished and God should get the credit. Well, <laughs> Moses continues the conversation with God. And he says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? And God replies, replies to Moses' question. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to Israelites. I am has sent uh, me to you. So he goes on, God goes on to define to Moses what he means when he says, I am who I am. Moses is to remind the children of Israel about their heritage, passed down from their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God then outlines the plans he has for the freeing of the Israelites. Well, Moses again responds to God, and he begins, if you're reading through this, it would be in Exodus 4. And Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Well, then, Mo then God gives Moses some tools that he can use in convincing the children of Israel that God has really sent Moses to bring freedom from their bondage. Remember the staff that would turn into a snake? That was the one that's always, <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that God didn't ask me to do that. <laughs> I do not like snakes. Uh, the principle in this, though, is if God calls, he will provide what is needed. Well, you'd think by this time Moses would have bit, got quiet and just not been talking to God, but... He responds to God about what God is asking him to do. So he says to God, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow in speech and tongue. Well, of course, God answers Moses back. And the Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. And again, Moses responds, or maybe we should say argues with God. But Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Well, God has had enough of this discussion with Moses about what he's asking him to do. And he gives Moses the final word. Then the Lord's, and this is the words out of the Bible. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he says, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. He shall speak to, you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you to speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take the staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. Well, finally, Moses gets the big picture. He's got to do what God expects him to do. Um, he wants, God expects obedience. 
That's what he expects of all of us. When God asks us to do something, he expects our obedience. So the principle, though, in this section of Scripture was whom God calls, he equips. God always provides a way to equip us to do what needs to be done when he asks us to do something. Well, I had read this story many times through the year and was very aware. So I was sitting in this sermon uh, thinking about all the uh, things that God had been saying to me as Dan spoke that Sunday morning. And I was responding much like Moses did. Uh, Moses had three areas of concern that he questioned God about. How his extended family, the Israelites, would respond to God's instructions. Two, how he was to accomplish the job he was asked to do. Three, how people in authority, Pharaoh, court magicians, tribal leaders, would respond to God's directives. And then four, how could God use him? Well, I had much the same concerns. Because you know what God had been putting in my heart? Was that he wanted me to go to India. And I thought I had been a prayer warrior for my friend for many years, and I was very happy doing that. I felt like I was con that was my, my role. And I knew that they were getting ready to make another mission trip, and I was, you know, I'd said, hey, I'm praying that all will go well as you prepare and what have you. Well, my first response was what my husband and family would say about this. I wanted their blessings and support, but I knew uh, I could meet with some resistance, and I did. As soon as I got home, Dan said to me, what do you mean getting up and telling people you're going to India? Because at the end of that service, because I was weeping so much, I felt like they might need an explanation. It wasn't that Dan and I had a big fight on the way to church or anything like that. You know, I just thought they needed to know that what God was saying to me. And I got up and tried to explain to them through my tears that I felt like God was calling me to go to India. And so he said to me when I got home, um, what do you mean? Don't tell people you're going to do something because they're going to expect you to do it. Well, he wasn't certain that I was going to do it. But I was certain I was going to do it because I knew that that's what God had said for me to do. And so, um, I, but I did want the blessings of my family. I ha will tell you, it took about three months or maybe almost that long before Dan began to soften and realize that uh, it was important to me that I do this, that I be obedient. Um, and it's always amazing to me how God brings different things things into our lives to show us the, the will of God. So he began to show Dan that this was the will of God for me. Well, my second question to God on that day was, how was a trip of this magnitude going to be financed as there was no way that we could afford it uh, for, for me to go? Well, God's reply to me was, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. And I was not to concern myself with how that money was to come in, but to see it as his provision. I mean, really, we're having this conversation. I'm sitting up there, and I'm crying. He's telling me this stuff, and I'm thinking, oh, my word. Well, my next thought was that the trip was to take place during the school year, and I was teaching at a little Christian school, and I knew it was going to be a hardship on the school to be able to pay someone else to do this. Well, he again reminded me that this school was his ministry, and the leaders were under his authority. While I was responsible for them as their employee, um, I was ultimately under his authority, and I was not to worry. Well, the rest of the story was my sweet husband stepped up, and he taught my class for those 10 days I was gone. <laughs> he came a long way. <laughs> Lastly, I had uh, reminded God that I'd never done anything like this before, and it was really out of my comfort zone. Um, I don't consider myself an accomplished speaker or preacher. Um, I just want to be obedient to what the Lord has put in my heart. Well, his response to me was, those whom I call, I equip. So finally I said, Lord, here I am, send me. Well, that was my burning bush experience. Well, now back to the story of the father and the daughter who both struggled with direct rejection. As I mentioned earlier, only God can heal those areas of personal life when the, where the wounds are deeply hidden. Uh, this young lady, or this child, struggled with the feelings of rejection for nearly 50 years. But God, in his wisdom, knew just the right time to uncover that deeply buried wound. It was part of his preparation process. I understand this because I'm that little girl, and I also know that my dad never meant to hurt me. He just didn't think. Um, he just didn't understand how that would have been special. And he didn't know how to tell my little cousin it wasn't okay for her to sit on his lap. Um, but it did, it did plant a seed of rejection in my heart that only God could heal. And uh, it haunted me for many, many years. 
especially as a pastor's wife, and not being able to play the piano and sing because most churches always want the pastor's wife to be able to play and sing, and I didn't do either. <laughs> um, but I, I did figure out that, you know, I, that the most important thing that we ever can do is pray, and he made me a prayer warrior. And I am thankful for that opportunity and that privilege. But today I can stand before you, and I can tell you that God in his infinite wisdom and love, um, he did speak to my heart that day at the CWC convention. And even though I set it aside and I didn't know how God was going to work it all out, he began to heal me from those deeply seated wounds. Instead of my, seeing myself through the lens of rejection, he says, he sees me through the lens of love. That's why I chose the scripture we did today, the greatly loved that video that was our scriptures um, based on Romans 5, 8. But he committed his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What love for us he has. Well, what did this have to do with my trip to, Egypt, to India? Well, God knew that if I was going to make this kind of a trip, that I couldn't have these kind of uh, things in my life, that those feelings of rejection. Um, so I need to be set free um, that, of this. Uh, and it's funny, you know, I would have not connected all those, but only God can connect the dots in our lives sometimes. Then I would be able to do all that he had intended for me. Um, I'd better be better, better able to understand um, that the fundraising was dependent on the people of God responding to his call and not to me when, when people weren't able to, ha you know, support me. I, would, I didn't feel rejected because I knew this was God's part of God's plan. However, if God hadn't set me free from that rejection, I might have felt that way. Um, I'd be able to re I could also receive unsupportive attitudes about this trip. And, you know, people would say to me, that is a long way to go. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Um, and I would also be better able to handle disappointments that would be coming my way. Well, I can assure you that God was faithful uh, to what he promised me that Sunday and in, in, um, morning in April. My family did give me their blessings, and they sh had shown support by giving what they could to help with financing of the trip. It's really hard telling my mom and dad. You know, they're older and older. It's harder when you're older to not worry. And so I remember my mother especially was a little concerned. But she said, well, Lynn, I know you, and I know that if God asks you to do this, that he will take care of you. He spoke to friends and family across the country that, and about financially supporting the step of faith for me, and I had enough money to make that trip. When I told my principal at the, in the school board about this trip, it, it was late by the time I had all these things worked out. It was kind of late, but they understood why I waited so long to talk about it. And even though I, I knew I would have moments when I thought I can't leave my comfort zone, he was already speaking to my heart and preparing me for what he wanted me to say. Well, I will, I have had opportunities to return. That trip was in the fall of 2013. I went back in um, 2019, and God did give me the ability to speak to these women in India. It was such a blessing to be able to be there and to, to speak to them and to uh, pour into their lives, but I will tell you that they spoke to my heart much more than what they spoke because they live in a culture where there's a lot of persecution and it takes a, a whole new type of courage and boldness to be able to speak there and share Christ. It, the other thing that was pretty amazing to me was that when God began to speak to me there in 2013, it had been almost exactly 40 years when I took my first mission trip out of the country and I went to Guatemala. And I think it was as a, that young college freshman that God began to speak to me and put into me a love uh, for the other cultures. Um, and you know, in those 40 years, God had done a lot of things in my life, but again, I didn't realize about this spirit of uh, rejection. But I believe I understand how Moses felt when he completed the task that God had called him to do. It took him 40 years to bring the children of Israel to the promised land. And there were many lessons to be learned along the way. But God was faithful in all he said to Moses. And I know that he's going to be faithful to do everything that he asked me to do. In closing today, I've chosen a song that spoke um, to my heart at that particular time. It's a little older song. 
but it just um, it's just it was a good reminder and I wanted it to be a good reminder to you you know we're all at different places in our life and the name of this song is well done um, I don't know what God is calling you to do I don't know what lies ahead for any of us most of you feel like you've accomplished a lot already in your life and you have but let me remind you that Moses was a young man when he left Egypt. And then he spent 40 years in the wilderness tending his father's lost sheep before the burning bush experience. And then it took him another 40 years to get him to, to the promised land. And Caleb was one of the spies. And he was in the 80s when he went back and, and claimed his piece of the promised land. Um, so you know what? Age is not a barrier to God. So I don't know what God might be calling you to say, but the worst of this song says, I'm taking a risk and living it all, not knowing what I will go through. But I'm not alone. So when I take that step of faith, I can hear you say, well done, well done. I'm going to chase you, Lord, and I'm going to show the world your love. And I believe that that is what God wants all of us to do. So listen to this song, and then we'll have uh, a few closing comments and prayer. I'm headed down this narrow road, chosen by a few. And all that I know is you told me to follow you. I'm taking a risk and leaving it all, not knowing what I'll go through. But I'm not alone as long as I follow you. So when my life's a leap of think that's all what we want our father to say our heavenly father to say to us and you know I don't know why God gave me this message to share with you today but God knows he knows what needs to be spoken to his people and I hope that it has been a, a source of encouragement but also some challenges to you 
You know, God does want to heal us. He knows what's deep down buried in our heart. That maybe came from something that happened a long time ago in our childhood. Um, you know, it's amazing to me how God does, um, does love us so much that he wants to, to free us from those things that keep us from being who he's called us to be. And um, I just want to encourage all of you, but particularly our fathers today, that y'all have done wonderful jobs with your families, but maybe you're like my father. You made some mistakes along the way. That doesn't mean that you're never going to hear those words, well done. What it means is that God has given you the opportunity to go and love your children and make amends if there's something you need to make amends for, or just to tell them that they're loved. Um, I hope you'll uh, appreciate the fact that um, we're never quite done with what God has for us to do. I was 58. I mean, who thinks they're going to go on their first big mission trip like that at that age? I started a business at 58. You know, it amazes me that what God, he, he doesn't have a limit on age. So I don't know what God has got planned for us as a congregation, but I want to tell you, he's got some exciting things for us, and I cannot wait to see what's going to be happening. And um, he's going to be saying to all of us, well done, well done. You've done what I've asked you to do. So let's leave here today knowing that we are loved by God and that he has something special planned for all of us. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can be called your children, that we are your princesses and prince, that you are our king. We are children of the king. And everything that you have available is for us. Lord, we forget that. Sometimes we only want to see what we can do. But God, you who own the cattle on a thousand hills, you who provide in so many different ways, you can bless us and heal us and make us the people that you want us to be, no matter what our age is. So, Father, I pray today that you would just be with this wonderful group of people that as they leave to go um, celebrate their fathers and remember the, the fathers that they had, one, that they would know that you placed them in the family you placed them in. And maybe their earthly father wasn't as good and as kind as you are, but you did give them a heavenly father. Lord, I thank you for just the many blessings that we have each and every day. Lord, I pray that we would just always take each day to thank you and to look for ways that we can serve you, whether it's to walk across the street to that neighbor, speak to that clerk in the, the grocery store line in a kind way. Lord, there's so many ways that we minister to people just by our words and our actions, and it doesn't have to, it doesn't require a lot of us. It just shows them that they are loved and they are appreciated. So, Lord, we pray that you would just help us to be very aware of all that you have in store for us in the future days, Lord, because we do want to be able to be with you one day and hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. We just give your name the praise and the glory forever. Amen.